Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my daily politics podcast. It's Friday, December 15th. There are two Trump trial developments at the Supreme Court just in the last few days. Yesterday, it accepted a case that could nullify some of the main January 6th charges against Trump, those that charge him and a lot of the rioters with obstructing an official proceeding. Now, from what I'm reading, the claim, believe it or not, is that rioting doesn't count as a means of obstructing Congress. What? We'll see what Ellie Honig thinks about that. And special counsel Jack Smith has leapfrogged over some lower courts and asked the Supreme Court to rule directly on the basic question of whether Trump is immune from any January 6th or election fraud charges simply because he was president at the time. Obviously, all these cases have political implications for the presidential and congressional elections next year, too. So let's dig in with Ellie Honig, senior legal analyst for CNN, a former New Jersey and federal prosecutor. He also hosts the podcast from Cafe called Up Against the Mob, and is he is the author of the books, Hatchet Man, How Bill Barr Broke the Prosecutor's Code and Corrupted the Justice Department, and his latest, which came out earlier this year, Untouchable, How Powerful People Get Away With It. He may have to update that book, depending on what the Supreme Court does. Ellie, always good of you to give us some time. Welcome back to WNYC. Hey, Brian. Glad to be with you. You know, I'm actually pleased to report that a lot of what I say in that book, which came out almost a year ago, has come to pass, including uh, towards the end, I say, watch this immunity question. This is going to be a big darn deal in the Trump cases. But I will say so much. Here's how much has gone down in the last three days or so. Ellie, let's start with special counsel Jack Smith asking the court to consider the basic question of presidential immunity. What is presidential immunity and what's the dispute over how it might apply here? Both of these uh, issues are so important for the Trump trials. Okay, we have known for about 40 years now that there is such thing in our legal system as what we call civil immunity, meaning a federal official or former federal official cannot be sued civilly for something that they did within the scope of their job description. That goes from the president on down to what I was, a federal prosecutor with DOJ. The case actually came out of Richard, a Richard Nixon case not related to Watergate. What happened was a federal official had been fired during the Nixon administration. He sued Nixon and the Supreme Court said, you can't sue the president because it's part of the president's job to hire and fire federal officials. But if he did something outside of the job, if he got in a car accident or something like that while driving, then the president could be sued. Now, what Donald Trump is arguing is new territory. He's arguing, I am criminally immune from prosecution because what I did was inside the scope of my job as president. So now Trump's going to have to convince a court of two things. One, is there even such thing as criminal immunity? We actually don't know that. The Supreme Court has said several times we've not ruled on whether there's criminal immunity. And if there is, then too, was Trump inside or outside the outer boundaries of his job as president? Now, Trump made that argument to the district court, the trial level court, Judge Chutkin. She rejected it a couple weeks ago. She said, no, no such thing. You're not immune. Now, ordinarily, Donald Trump would then get to appeal to the Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. And then if he lost that, 
he could try again in the D.C. Court of Appeals, ask for what's called en banc review, meaning the entire court review it. And then if he lost that, then he could ask the Supreme Court to review it. That would take months, minimum, all of that, six months, eight months. Keep in mind, we have a March 4th trial date in this case. That's less mm. than three months away. So what Jack Smith did the other day, and I think it was a smart move and, a, and an aggressive move and, and a necessary move if he wants to keep that trial date, Jack Smith went to the Supreme Court and said, let's cut through all the noise here. Let's skip that middle level. Let's skip the Court of Appeals and go right to you, Supreme Court. The name for this, it's called direct review. It's There's an interesting history to direct review. It's something that the Supreme Court has rarely done, but not never. And actually, they went through about a 15-year stretch from 2004 to 2019 or so where they never granted direct review. But then from 2019 till now, the last four years, they've actually granted review 19 times, including in the Biden student loan case um, and including in a couple of immigration cases. So they're using this technique much more often. I think what's likely to play out is this. The Supreme Court has now said, we're going to consider your motion to skip the middle court on an expedited basis, on a sped up basis. And we should know from the Supreme Court right around the new year, either the week before or after the new year, whether they're going to take this immunity question directly. I think that they will take that immunity question directly, given just their recent history. They've granted direct review on cases less important with less time pressure than this one. So I think it's likely they're going to take it. If the court rules in Trump's favor, does Mm -hmm. that mean that a sitting president could stage, in effect, a coup through fake electors or rioting or whatever, and there's nothing the law could do about it because a president is broadly immune from prosecution? Well, so let, let's yeah, let's talk about what the possibilities are here. I think Trump is unlikely to win on this argument, but but not impossible. In other words, I would give Trump less than a 50 percent chance of winning, but more than a 10 percent chance of winning. Um, where, you know, I'll leave it vague as to where in there it might fall. If Donald Trump prevails, if the U.S. Supreme Court says, yes, there is such thing as criminal immunity. And yes, Donald Trump's actions, as alleged in this indictment, were within the outer scope of his duties as president, then couple things happen. One, Jack Smith's January 6th case is over. It's dismissed. Two, as an almost certain follow-on to that, Fonnie Willis's charge against Donald Trump is out the window as well. In in the Georgia obstruction case. In the Georgia case, exactly. So two of the four pending indictments against Trump will be out. That's how big this is. Um, As to your, your broader question, it's all a matter of characterization. I mean, I think the way you characterize it is exactly the way DOJ would characterize it. I would certainly lean towards that characterization as well. What Trump's lawyers have argued is, well, look, the president does have some role in overseeing elections. People sometimes say, well, no, the president has no role in elections. It's all up to the states. It's not quite right. I mean, the president is head of the executive branch, which has the FEC, the Federal Election Commission. DOJ was part of the executive branch. They have an election uh, bureau. The DHS has an election bureau. Um, so it's not quite so so the argument would be he has some role in ensuring fair elections. He also has a constitutional duty to quote, take care that the laws be faithfully executed. And their argument is the things he was doing were was co- coordinating with state and local officials, dealing with his own advisors in order to check on election integrity because he was being told by some of his advisors that you have a problem with election integrity. And there is actually some case law. Immunity can be quite broad. And if you look at Trump's original brief to the district court, there is some case law saying 
in, in the context of civil immunity, it's not really a question of whether we like or dislike what the official was doing or whether it was well-intended or poorly intended. It's just a question of, is it something that had to do with the job at all or not? Um, and so I think the better argument is DOJ's argument, but Trump's lawyers are putting up a game fight here. And like I said, I give them not a not a better than 50% chance, but I give them a what, what I guess you would call a puncher's chance. You know, they could get lucky and land one punch here. Douglas in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Hi, Douglas. Hi. Was there um, an earlier decision, I believe, uh, perhaps with the defamation action against Trump, with uh, the alleged rape action um, that went to the Supreme Court where Kavanaugh made a statement that there is no, that a president is still um, accountable, that there is no such thing as not being accountable because you're president? Um, I don't, it's sort of a vague question, but I do remember an action where the Supreme Court um, specifically... I know ruling. what you're talking about. Was that the Nixon case, Ellie? No. Well, I think, I think, I think the caller is talking about something with Trump, um, okay. and I think I know what he's referring to. So back in 2020, the Manhattan DA, I think it was Cy Vance at the time, served a subpoena that Trump tried to block. And Trump tried to argue, well, because I'm the sitting president, I can't be subpoenaed. And that went up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court rejected that argument by a seven to two vote. In fact, it was only Thomas and Alito in favor of Trump and Kavanaugh and Roberts. And I think Barrett at the time, I forget if she was on the court at the time, but this was a, an example of what I talked about before, where Kavanaugh actually joined with the liberals and said, no, you're not immune from a subpoena. You 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 would have to provide evidence even if you're sitting president. So it's kind of close to this mm -hmm. case. I mean, that that's worth looking at. But being subpoenaed is a very different ball game than being indicted. But yeah, no, that, that that's a good observation. And there have been some hints out there that they don't want to place the president entirely above the law. But um, immunity will be a separate question. So would the special counsel want a pre-election trial for political reasons because he thinks the American public should be able to take the outcome of a trial into account if Trump is the Republican nominee? Or is it for legal reasons because if Trump is reelected, he could pardon himself or some other reason? I think it could be either of those. I mean, it depends how you look at it. I, I think Trump supporters would say he just he just wants to nail Trump and hurt him before the election. I think he a, a perhaps more neutral observer would phrase it the way you said it, which is the American people deserve to know either way before they go into the ballot booth and and pull the lever. Um, you know, there is the legal pragmatic argument of he wants to avoid a scenario where Trump can. But but Trump's going to be able to part if he becomes president is going to be able to pardon himself either way. I mean, there's can no he do way, that, by the way, for you as a legal analyst? Can he pardon but, himself? Well, the, the only honest answer to that is we don't know. Anyone no. who gets on air and says, no, he cannot because it violates what John Adams wrote or, you know, whatever years ago, you're all you're, you have to acknowledge up front. All, all you're doing is guessing because it's yeah. never happened. Right. We don't know. Not I can tell you, the, 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 yeah, the obvious argument against it is it goes against the whole rule of kings and you, a person can't be the judge in his own case. On the other hand, the actual part in power in the Constitution has no stated limitation on it. So I don't know which way that'll go. But I also do want to flag, I don't agree that it's proper for prosecutors to think about and anticipate and try to 
frustrate or or preclude a pardon. I don't think that's the prosecutor's job. It's not your power. You have plenty of power as a prosecutor. Believe me, I was a prosecutor for 14 years. Pardon power is not your power. It's it's intentionally given to the chief executive, whether the president of the United States, the governor of a state. I had a state case of mine pardoned by the then governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. And you know what? You go, all right, that's our system. I don't I don't subscribe to that view. I, I think it's actually inappropriate for a prosecutor to say, let me do this in a way that that makes it impossible to pardon. I know it's hard to divorce it from the Trump scenario, but I actually yeah. think that's an overextension of prosecutorial power. Right. And I guess this is a question for a political analyst, not for you, a legal analyst. But if all these indictments of Trump have been so good for his poll numbers, imagine how good a conviction will be. But that's another show. Um, yeah. Before well, we but, run but Let me say the converse. And, and I've talked about this with several of my David Axelrod, who's a you know brilliant Democratic strategist, says, imagine if he doesn't get convicted. Imagine if some of these charges get thrown out, which I guess we'll get to in a second. Imagine if there's a hung jury. What's that going to do? to his poll numbers. Right. So here's the other case the Supreme Court accepted yesterday and we'll definitely hear in the coming months. It questions whether Trump and hundreds of the actual rioters can be charged with obstructing an official proceeding, obstructing Congress from certifying the election. And Ellie, I said it leading into this, this one totally blows my mind because I think the claim is, and please tell me I'm wrong, but I think (laughs) the claim is that if they tried to obstruct the certification by shredding documents, they could be convicted for that, but physically rioting to prevent the election from being certified might not be obstruction under the law. What? You've basically got it right, and I think I will echo your what? Um, Here's the deal. A a whole bunch, dozens of January 6th rioters, people who stormed the Capitol, were charged with obstruction of an official proceeding. And the theory is very commonsensical, as you just laid it out. The official proceeding is the Senate counting the electoral votes, and the obstruction is the rioting part, right? Um, I thought it was a natural fit. I thought it was a smart use of that. A lot of those, maybe all of those defendants challenged it. They said, well, the obstruction statutes, A, meant to apply to what you said, shredding documents or tampering with witnesses, and B, it's meant to apply to court cases, civil or criminal cases, and not Congress. There's actually a separate statute for obstruction of Congress. And all the lower court judges thus far, not every judge, but the outcome of every one of those cases has been, no, of course this applies. Here's the, here's if, 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 here's why uh, I think we have a pretty good sense why this is where this is going to go. One of these rioters, a guy named Fisher, um, appealed this and he lost. He was basically told, no, obstruction does apply to January 6th. The Supreme Court yesterday, in what I think was very surprising, said, we're going to review this. Now, let's do a little tea leaf reading. It would really surprise me if the Supreme Court said, We want to take this case because we want to tell all the lower courts, hey, guys, good job. You got it right. It seems to me very likely the Supreme Court is going to say this does not apply. Now, I will say it only takes four justices to take a case. It takes five to, you know, decisively rule on a case. Mm -hmm. So there may be some wiggle room there. But the tea leaves to me are suggesting they are likely to rule that obstruction, the obstruction of an official proceeding law does not apply to what went down in the Capitol on January 6th. But but let me get one yeah. level deeper into Go the ahead. weeds on this as my head explodes from your answer, because yep. uh, I'm going to read from the actual statute 
as I saw it in yeah. the Washington Post. It's a Post. very broad statute. Yep. Yeah, but exactly. And it says anyone who corruptly alters, destroys, mutilates, or conceals a record, document, or other object, or attempts to do so with the intent to impair the object's integrity or availability for use in, a, in an official proceeding, so that would refer to like shredding documents, yep. or or otherwise obstructs, Right. Otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding or attempts to do so, unquote, can be punished. What does the word otherwise mean? I, I agree. I agree. The other thing I would note, though, is one thing that's been very consistent across the last two decades of Supreme Court jurisprudence, and it actually has crossed party and ideological lines, is the Supreme Court pretty much any time it has looked at a criminal statute has narrowed the scope of that statute and not expanded mm, it. Uh -huh. um, I mean, for example, when the governor of Virginia was convicted, Bob McDonald, it was actually a Jack Smith prosecution from years ago, was convicted of taking money in exchange for favors. He was convicted. It was upheld on appeal. And the Supreme Court unanimously reversed it and said, no, it applies more narrowly. And by the way, that was unanimous. Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed with Justice Thomas on that one. Another example is Bridgegate. The, the, the Chris Christie wasn't charged, but other people around. And we all remember mm -hmm. this, right? right. Um, the Supreme Court threw out a couple convictions in the Bridgegate case because, again, they narrowed the scope of a criminal statute. Th this Supreme Court is not into broadening criminal statutes. They are into narrowing criminal statutes. So let me sort of get to the ne next level here. If the Supreme Court throws out these cases, here's what happens. The convictions of a bunch of January 6th rioters will be thrown out. Now, some of them have other convictions for trespass or destruction of property. So it's not like they're going to walk scot-free, but, but some of them will have convictions thrown out. Donald Trump, the Jack Smith federal indictment of Donald Trump, there are four charges Two of them are obstruction. One is obstruction and one is conspiracy to obstruct. They will be out the window. Now, that has some major consequences. And, and let me tell you what Jack Smith's options are. He's in a really difficult spot. He's got three options now. One is try the case as soon as possible and then just keep your fingers crossed. But the problem is if he tries the case and gets a conviction and then the Supreme Court comes back and says obstruction is right. no good – that case is going to get reversed. Like yeah. those two charges sure. are out and all right. the other cases, those charges, yeah. they'll say those are infected. Or it could wait. Yeah. Well, so that's, uh, well, yes. Option two is he can drop those two charges and just say, uh, look, there's uncertainty right now. I'm going to proceed on the other conspiracy counts. But the problem there is that will look like weakness. Trump will immediately declare victory. They've already admitted they overcharge me. These are the two most serious charges, by the way. These two have 20-year minimums. The mm. others have 10 and 5. And it'll limit Jack Smith's ability to put in evidence of the actual Capitol riot. Those two charges are the ones that are directly tied to what happened in the Capitol January 6th. The other two are much more aimed at the pre-January 6th conspiracy. So it will narrow down what he can do. Option three, what I think he's going to do, Brian, is what you just said. I think he's going to wait. I think he realizes he probably has to wait, but he's also look for this in the next couple of days or maybe a week. DOJ is going to ask the Supreme Court to expedite that one as well. Uh -huh. Because, you know, in the normal course, this ruling will come out in June or July, the end right. of this term. Right. They can't wait that long. So I think yeah. we're going to see that as the, the option. Yep. I yeah. think they're going to see them ask the Supreme Court to expedite that as well. 
and they're going to hope they can get that in by February or March or something, and then try whatever's left of it. We're, we're over time, but give yes. me thirty. Give me thirty seconds on this. Why would the obstruction through rioting charge apply to Trump at all? Because he didn't physically riot. He did all those other things, but he didn't physically riot. So why are we even talking about this with relation to Trump? That's a good question. And he's not charged with the physical riot. He's not even charged with incitement of the physical riot. I guess it might depend on how exactly Jack Smith defines the the attempted obstruction of Congress. I mean, my understanding is Jack Smith argues that Trump's intent here was to slow down or somehow delay the actual counting of the ballots. And he did it through other means, but not through the riot. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a needle that can be threaded there if you're Jack Smith, but I'm not sure I'd yeah. want to try to thread it that finely yeah. at the risk of getting overturned later, which would be catastrophic. Ellie Honig, senior legal analyst for CNN, a former New Jersey and federal prosecutor, host of the podcast Up Against the Mob, and author of books including his latest, Untouchable, How Powerful People Get Away With It. Ellie, we appreciate all your time. Thank you so much. Great talking to you, Brian. Thanks very much. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.